Hello everyone, and welcome to this edition of the Wisdom on Wheels podcast. I am Steve Johnson, and I want to do something a little different tonight. I normally do this podcast on my couch in the living room. But today, or tonight, I would like to do this podcast from, I'm doing it from the bedroom. I'm doing it in pretty much total darkness. And I did that on purpose, because number one, I want to be comfortable when I talk about this. I don't want to be distracted by other things going on around me as much as I can. Sometimes I like to have fun on this and do that. Number two. I don't want there to be any lights on because I don't want to look around and see stuff that will make me think of something else. Even though I have a cat here that just came up here and now wants to love on me and get attention because I'm talking. And I'm not talking to her. Or maybe she thinks I am because there's nobody else here. But except for my lovable four-legged creatures that I have here, I... I'm trying to remain free of distractions. Um, So far with this podcast, I've been doing a Bible study where I've just been going through chapters of the Bible and my chronological reading for that day and discussing them as I read them. But while that is good, and while that might be something I get back to at some point, I also if you're a believer, you know that the Bible tells us, God tells us that the Holy Spirit will lead us into all truth. The Amplified Bible, and I believe it's John 16.33, I'm not 100% sure, and I guess it's uh, I should have looked this up beforehand. But when it talks about the Holy Spirit, it lists about eight different attributes of His, I think. Comforter, Counselor, Advocate, and there's like several... Uh, several others also I can't think of them all off the top of my head but we are commanded to and in some ways comforted by the thought that when God is leading us in a specific direction that we are to follow it after all we are We are called followers of Jesus, not just learners about Jesus. 
and not just learners about the book that Jesus' spirit wrote. But we are to be followers of his. That means when he's walking, you know, think about this in a very physical sense. The disciples during Jesus' ministry on earth When um, they didn't just follow him in the way that we say, I'm following Jesus. They literally followed Jesus. Everywhere he went, they went. When you followed a rabbi in those times, you, you, know, you literally followed a rabbi. If you were the rabbi's apprentice or student, you... Literally followed that rabbi. You ate when he ate. You sleep when he sleeps. You learned from him and then you implemented what he taught you. And while we don't have the physical presence of Jesus right now on this earth because he has yet to return. We do have the Holy Spirit. If we are truly believers, we have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. And if we can quiet ourselves enough, we can hear His voice. And it takes some practice to do. It's not just something you just automatically pick up even the moment you become a Christian. You don't just automatically become the perfect hearer. It takes practice. And it's not something that just automatically comes with time. It's something that you get better at as you do it. I have often shared with people that I don't particularly care for quiet, especially the last few months. Um... I always have the TV going, whether I'm watching a sermon, whether I'm listening to music or watching a music video or a series of them, whether I'm listening to an audio book, whether I'm, you know, I, I always have something on. I always have the TV on or the radio on or something playing on the internet something. I always have something going. If I don't have access to any of those things, I'm reading, usually. Reading a book, reading my Bible, or reading another book or something. I just, I do. That's what I do. <laughs> I've always been like that, as long as I can remember, but 
it became especially vital for me. I would say around the time, it was probably around the time, a couple of months before I graduated high school, when I first experienced a short bout with depression. That lasted a couple weeks. And a lot of it just had to do with me overthinking things. You know, big change coming in my life. and you know, Getting ready to leave home. The only home I had known. Come to another state. Live with relatives I was familiar with. But. But I didn't. Uh, you know. I had been looking forward to, to moving and to being with them, and I'd been familiar with this city and state, so I wasn't moving to unfamiliar territory. I used to spend a lot of my vacations here. But there's still something, even if you're going to another familiar place or going to be with people you know. When you've lived in a place your entire life, there's still something about leaving it that is a little unsettling unless it has nothing but bad memories then you might be looking forward to it but I had a lot of good memories there I had a lot of good friends there and yes we were all moving on and branching off into different areas of our lives but part of me didn't want to let go of that because I didn't know what was ahead And I got depressed about it. And the depression led to me overthinking other things as well. And in the big scheme of things, I guess it wasn't that bad. I mean, the initial phase of it only lasted a couple of weeks. But the memory of it lingered with me. And I would battle it off and on every so often, every several months. And I would, you know, I would be fine for the most part for maybe six months at a time. And then I would have this really deep decline where I would just go into this really deep depression and not want to eat, not want to get out of bed. I would have obsessive thoughts where I would only think about one thing. And if I got one thought in my head that I couldn't shake or one question that I couldn't answer, um, it just would plague me and overwhelm my thoughts. For again, and all all these things would would happen. I would say a couple of weeks at a time, and then I'd have another six months where it was always in the back of my mind. There was always something I would be fighting off from day to day, and um, and then it would. It would overtake me for a while, and then I would get over it, and I would resume a pretty normal life, and I didn't like talking about it, because I was afraid talking about it would make it come back. Even right now, there's a little hesitation in me that is not sure if I want to bring this up, because I don't want to start thinking about it again. But, in about 2007 or 2008, I would say, is the last time I went into this little... No, it wasn't the last time. Uh, 2013 or 14, I would say, is probably the last time that I really went through that. And before that was 2008. So there was about, a, I went through that every six months for about six or seven years. 
in six years. You know, it lasts a couple of weeks. And then I would be mostly okay. Just had this little lingering, nagging things in the back of my head. And then they would disappear. And then I just kind of got, got over it. I think God worked something in me. Because I didn't do anything different. I think God just revealed something to me on how I could deal with this. And I didn't really struggle with it again for about six years. And then something triggered me to start thinking about it again. Because I was overanalyzing myself. And questioning myself about some things. And... Uh, So it kind of happened again in 2014, and then it went away again. Um, and I haven't dealt with it since. And I'm going to trust God that I won't deal with it now after bringing this up, especially since I'm the only one here. And I don't have a lot to... I don't want to just revert to distractions or old distractions or typical things. I'm really trying to learn to rely on God to deal with things and not distractions to help me forget about things. That's something I want to start doing better. Because up to this point, I really haven't done a good job of that. I've been depending on distractions a lot to... Well, like I said, for most of my life, if not all of it, I've been depending heavily on distractions to keep me from sinking into stuff that sometimes I get afraid I won't be able to get out of if I allow myself to feel any of it. But that's not the point of this podcast. The point I was trying to make, and I know I get sidetracked a lot, is that we need to listen to the Holy Spirit. And I brought all that up to say that it's very difficult for me to get quiet enough to really listen to God. And find out what he's saying to me. If if I if you turn on a radio and you got a clear station coming in, it's right nearby, the radio's good, and there's nothing hindering the signal, you can hear that station just come can come in perfect. But let's say you've got a perfect signal coming in. Nothing hindering it. Got a good radio to receive it. But you're in a room with a hundred people. And they're all chattering all at the same time and having their own separate conversations. But they're all around you. And they're loud. 
maybe even say you say it's like a crowded restaurant, you know, one of those really loud like uh, uh, Longhorn Steakhouse, you know, Texas Longhorn, say something like that. And the acoustics are such that when it's crowded and there's music going and there's a lot of conversations happening, it can be difficult sometimes to really hone in on that one person that you're trying to hear. And and the same with the radio signal. You got a hundred people in a room and the radio's coming in clear. There's nothing hindering the signal. Radio's good. It works. But there's so much noise going on around you that you really have to focus to hear what God is trying to say to you. Or, excuse me, to hear what that radio is saying. And in that sense, it's like the Holy Spirit. It was the analogy I was trying to make. God's always broadcasting. He never sleeps. He did rest on the seventh day of the creation week, but that was more to demonstrate a pattern for us, not because he was tired. I didn't just pull that out of the air. You can find that in the Bible. But um, then Exodus chapter 20 is part of the Ten Commandments when it talks about the Sabbath. But anyway. When we're distracted... By other things going on. When we've always got a TV going. Or we've always got our phone making noise. Or we're distracted by a problem of life. Or we're distracted by something happening in the world. And boy is there something big happening in our world right now everywhere. You can't go anywhere on this planet right now. And escape what's happening in it. There's nowhere on this earth to go. And be around the messages that this world is broadcasting. And get away from it. You can't have a conversation with somebody. I would dare say... It would be it would be hard to have a discussion with anybody on this planet right now where the topic of coronavirus or something related to it, the response to it or whatever isn't brought up. That can get overwhelming when there's nowhere you can go to escape. Which is why things like Netflix have become so important and why people have been doing that because and, and other things or doing home projects or whatever because they're just looking for some way to get away from it for a while and I'm not going to turn this podcast into that 
I'm using that to make a point. And the point is, is that regardless of what it is, even when everything in the world generally is okay, in our own individual lives, we have things that distract us. A relationship that's in trouble. Um, a financial difficulty. A job loss or a job fear of a job loss or maybe your job is fine and you just have a lot of responsibility and you got a lot weighing on you all the time it just feels overwhelming and will i ever get a break here <laughs> concern about a relative or a friend you want to help them out but you don't you feel powerless to now, any of those things, a personal sin you might struggle with or an addiction you want to overcome, all of those things can really make it difficult sometimes to settle down, to be quiet, to be still, as Isaiah 46 says, to be still, not fiddle around, not goof around, not think of 44 things on your to-do list. Just be still. And listen for God. He often speaks in a still, small voice, the Bible says. It talks about how there was an earthquake, and God wasn't in the earthquake, and there was a whirlwind, and God wasn't in the whirlwind, and there was this and that, and God wasn't in that. But it was a still, small voice. Now, does God use big things to get our attention? Oh, yeah. Anybody who's been following me on Facebook or Twitter or hearing me talk about on previous episodes of this podcast, I think God's really trying to get our attention right now. And he does do things like that. But when he's dealing with us individually, his primary mode of wanting to communicate with us is through his word, through the Bible, and... The still, small voice of the Holy Spirit. I could word it as the quiet and peaceful voice of the Holy Spirit. Even in correction, at least at first. So, I said all of that to say that I had certain plans for this podcast today. But God changed them. I slipped up today and I repented before God, but I slipped up today and uh, and um, I disobeyed him in a particular area that I knew better than to do. But I did. And I went before him in repentance, and I confessed to that, and 
I am relying on, just as you do any time you repent, you don't, repentance isn't, I'm going to try harder. Repentance is, I agree that what I did was wrong. I apologize. Please forgive me. Or I accept the forgiveness that you've already done. And I'm going to rely on what you've already done, Jesus, on the cross. To know that I'm forgiven and to restore that relationship. If you're waiting until you perform better. If, if you think that every time you slip up in an area, regardless of what it is. Let's say you gossip about somebody. Um, and you feel convicted by it. Let's say you were sharp with your children and you you uh, um, sorry I'm trying to think of how to word this. Um, just I'm, I'm getting lost in the examples here and I don't mean to do that. Uh, if whatever sin you get caught up in even if it's just a one time oops thingy uh, God shouldn't have done that anytime you do that if you if you are if you get caught up in a sin and you know it's wrong, if you sin something and you know it's wrong, if you are if you go that route and you think, well, in order for me to restore my relationship with God, or in order for me to be right, or not, let, let me rephrase that, in order for me to be right before God, I have to perform better. I have to do certain things well once you once you go that route now you're trusting in your works it's no longer about the grace of God it's no longer about faith and trusting in Jesus which is the only way we can be saved and the only way that we can develop our relationship with God through Jesus is by that faith and trust. And so, if you sin in some way, and then you think, well, I've got to, I'm, I'm, I'm starting back at square one, or and I've got to perform, I've got to do this and do this and do this and do this, so that God will love me, or God will be pleased with me, and that relationship can be restored. You're trusting in your works. And I'm not talking about greasy grace here where grace becomes a license to sin, because that is also going too far in the other direction. I'm not saying that we can sin and do whatever we want without consequence and say, well, because I have faith and I am trusting in God to forgive my sins, that that relationship isn't going to be hindered. I'm not saying that, because that would be a license to sin. If you could have unbroken fellowship with God and live however you want, then God it becomes an accomplice to your evil. 
And God will not do that. So I'm not saying that. Please, if, if please try not to misunderstand. I'm trying to communicate this clearly. I haven't even gotten to what I want to talk about yet. I'm almost 30 minutes in, but I'm laying a foundation here so that I can get somewhere. But if you are trusting in whatever, you're, and if you're trusting in your own performance to make you right with God, that is an outside-in way of looking at your relationship with God. Outside in. I must do this so that this will happen. I must perform this action out here or stop doing this action out here so that God will be pleased with me. Or, and conversely, the way the Bible and the way that God says things work in his kingdom is you rely on him you trust in him alone not in your own works not in your own effort but you just stop you stop striving and say you come like a child a child can't do most things on their own for themselves they have to depend on a baby you know a child a young child has to depend on their parents for th what they need. We come before God like a child when we are his child. And we stop striving. You know, you stop trying to pick up, if you're five years old, you stop trying to pick up the 50 pound whatever and, and say, Mommy, Daddy, can you help me with this? And if you have a good parent, they'll help you if it's something that you need. So, and you can sit there and you can do all the striving in the world. But it's all you're going to do is spin your wheels, get frustrated, get tired, wear yourself out, and then go, Oh, I just can't do it. Whereas if you just recognize right off the bat that that's too big for you, and go to somebody who can lift it. That's that's basically what we're supposed to do. You stop striving. You stop. Oh God, I'm just I'm trying so hard. I'm trying to stop this. I'm really trying. God, I'm trying to receive what you're giving me. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm working hard to try to receive what you just stop. If you're working hard to receive something, you're no longer receiving it. You're earning it. You don't work hard to receive salvation. You acknowledge that you can't do it. Salvation only begins when you acknowledge that you can't on your own. That you are a sinner and that you are hopefully, hope, hopeless, not hopefully, hopelessly lost without the Savior. And you are totally, completely, utterly, and hopelessly dependent on what he's already done on the cross and his shed blood 
to forgive you of your sin. Only then can is the way made clear for you to begin to learn how to hear the voice of God and have that restored. If you've or you know if you've all if you've been hearing it and then you've fallen into something. To have that restored, I mean. Or if you don't have any any practice at all of hearing God, you start there as the basis for learning how to hear from God so that He can guide you in making decisions in your life and He can lead you in what His purpose is for you. And so... I had a plan for what I wanted to do with this podcast today. And God changed it because I was doing, a, a, like I said, I I fell short in something that I did today. I fell short in something that I knew God wanted me to do that I didn't. And in something Thing that I know he didn't want me to do that I did and I knew it and in both of those ways I I fell short but the great thing is is that when I brought that before him to confess it it's like a floodgate opened up of stuff that he wanted to share with me and something he wanted to lead me to do with this podcast today. And it wasn't just, I had, I had two plans for this podcast, actually. I was going to do the Bible study, and then I thought, well, no, there's some other things I've heard today that I want to discuss in regards to what's happening in our world. God just cleared the table of both of those and said, here's something I've been dealing with you personally about based off of a study, a Bible study you've been doing. And I want you to share your heart about what you've been doing. So I have this uh, theology thing that I've been uh, studying from uh, Pastor Tony Evans. I'm hopeful that a lot of you know who he is. Um, really awesome uh, preacher. He's, he gets a lot from the Lord. But uh, so I've been doing this study, and one of the questions here is uh, it says, I'm going to read this. All of us cling to things that give us a sense of, of identity and importance. Whether job titles, family heritage, bank accounts, or material possessions. All those things can give us identity and importance. List three of the things 
that are most important to you. And ask yourself what would happen if you lost them. Could you give them up and still say things are okay? Because you know the true God and that's enough. So you list, you list three things that give you identity and importance. And then you, if I lost these three things, would I still be okay? Knowing that my knowledge of God and my, my intimacy with God is enough. And let me put my do not disturb on so that nothing else gets in the way here. There we go. All right. So and this question is particularly relevant for our world today because regardless of what you think about how the handling of this virus is going, regardless of what you think about the virus itself, just about everybody in the world right now is going to lose something, some more than others. But everybody is in the process of, or eventually will lose something here. So while you're listening to me answer this question, I want you to think about it in your own life. What are the three things that give me my identity and importance? And would I be okay without them? Because I have an intimate relationship with God. Take some time, either while this is on or afterwards, or you can pause it and do it now. And maybe just maybe write them down even. What are the three things that give me identity importance? Really think about it. Don't just put down the first three things that come to your head. Just really think about three the most important things in your life that give you identity and importance. Don't just say what you even if you don't share them, just you and God, just yourself. Don't just say what you think God wants to hear. Really think about it. Really examine your heart. Three things that give you identity and importance. And if you lost those three things, would you still be okay because you know that your intimate, your intimate relationship with God is still intact? So I guess you... I guess by the, by this question you couldn't include your intimate relationship with God because obviously if you lose that, then you're not going to be okay. So I think it's talking about three things other than that. Okay. And uh, so I took the time to write down those three things for me. I really took some time to think about this. Because I really felt like God was trying to 
have me examine my heart so he could show me some things. So here's what they are. I'm going to go through them one at a time. And these are in no particular order. I didn't rank them in order of importance. I just wrote them down as I thought of them. So I'm not, this isn't like a top three or a three, two, one or, you know, whatever. There's no particular order. This is just as I thought of them, I wrote them down. Number one, my reputation. My reputation, not with everyone. I'm, and I, I want to be clear about that. I don't spend a lot of time obsessing over what everybody thinks of me. In fact, I often do things to kind of troll people, um, especially people that I disagree with about important things, world, worldview issues. I, I'll often kind of, I'm not saying this is a good thing, but I, I know how to push buttons. <laughs> For example, I can think of one time off the top of my head. Two, just off the top of my head. One of those was back when gay marriage was legalized by the Supreme Court in 2015, I believe it was. And I, of course, taking a biblical stance on that issue recognize that it is a sin homosexuality that is number one homosexual the homosexual acts themselves are sin number two redefining marriage to include something that God calls an abomination in the Old Testament and then in the New Testament says that anybody who practices this will have their part in the lake of fire You know that I I took that um, and I'm like okay I'm not, I'm not okay with this. Well, I took that a step farther, and to express how I felt about it, knowing how some of my friends or acquaintances who did agree with it would react, um, I had an equal sign made with a line through it, so it would be an unequal sign. And then I posted two passages above, uh, one passage above the inequality sign and one passage below it uh, that talked about what God thinks of homosexuality. And then I made that my profile picture in response to it. Well, does that mean, because I used that to troll people, does that mean I didn't really believe in that? Oh, no, of course I believed in it. And it's right, I don't, excuse me, let me rephrase it. I, I don't believe in gay marriage. I do believe it's a sin. I do believe in the, the, the unequal message behind that because I don't believe that a heterosexual relationship and a homosexual relationship are equal. Just like a... Well, I don't want to get too deep in the weeds on this. And I have a tendency to chase rabbit trails. So let me pull back there. But that's one example of, yes, I truly believed the message that that sent. But I did it that way on purpose to push 
the buttons of some people that I knew wouldn't agree with it so as to create a conversation and a platform by which I could share what I think about it in hopes of changing their minds. Another one was when I posted a one of Rush Limbaugh's Undeniable Truths of Life, which says that feminism exists to allow unattractive women access to the mainstream of society. Now, he was being purposely provocative with that. Uh, and now, uh, he really believes that, I'm sure. I have no doubt that he really believes that. But I also know that he said that knowing what would happen. In the same way that when I shared that on Facebook, I knew the reaction it would cause from the feminist friends that I have. But I did it not just for my own entertainment, although there was some of that involved, but I also did it so that it would create the resulting reaction that came from that would lead to a, to a discussion that maybe otherwise we wouldn't have. If I just went on there and I just said what I thought of modern feminism, or if I just go on there and just blurt out what I think about gay marriage, yeah, it might get some people's attention and they might respond. But they're not going to be super, um, they're not going to be as engaged in it. As, but once I, once I post something and now it's got people's attention, oh, you know, post something that really grabs you, makes you stop scrolling and really look at it. Whether you really agree with it and hit the heart button. Or whether you really don't like it and you get angry about it or sad or whatever. Once it's made an impact on you, now we can talk about it. We can talk about why we agree or we can talk about why we don't. But now I've got your attention. Now we can have a discussion. Now maybe we can get into maybe changing some views or... At least getting each other to think deeper about why we feel the way we do. So, number one, the three things that are most important to me. Um, my reputation. Um... I don't, I said all that as an example to say that if I really cared what everybody thought of me, like everybody I meet or everybody I encounter, if I wanted everybody to like me, there's probably a lot better ways to go about doing that than what I just described to you. To post something that I believe in, but to know, but knowing that to do so would possibly alienate me from people that I like or otherwise care about is not the best way to maintain friendships sometimes. Even if you're doing it for a greater cause. And I'm not saying, I'm not, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying what I did was wrong. I don't think it was. Jesus 
did that same very same thing. He during his sermon on the mount, he said, "If your eye offends you, cut it out and cast it from you. Pluck it out. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off." He he wasn't shy about saying things that would really grab people's attention. He did it all the time. All he ever did in his ministry anyway was say things that got people talking. Some of them loved him and followed him to the death and some hated him and wanted to have him crucified. Some of them even helped. But he didn't leave any ambiguity. You're either going to really like me or really not. Once you get to know the true Jesus of the Bible, there's no middle ground. You either love him and follow him or you hate him and spurn him. There's no halfway in between once you know the true Jesus, once you read the Gospels and don't filter it through your ideas of who Jesus is and just take him for what he said. There's, he doesn't leave any room for middle ground. Okay, so I don't, I'm not sitting here saying that what I did was wrong necessarily. I'm just saying those two examples that if I were going to if I cared about my reputation with all people and what everybody thought of me and wanted everybody to like me and think of this or that about me, think all these nice things, that's probably not the way to do it. And if Jesus was focused on everybody liking him, then he certainly went, if, you know, he, Jesus didn't fulfill the book How to Win Friends and Influence People. He influenced people. He was the most influential person of all time. But he wasn't, he was all about something beyond just making sure that everybody got warm fuzzies every time he showed up. So I'm not, by, by using those two examples, again, I'm not saying that I was wrong in those because I'm, I don't think I was. Maybe the fact that I was entertained by some of it, maybe that was a little bit wrong. Maybe I shouldn't have been, you know, oh, I can't, I shouldn't have rubbed my hands together and said, oh, I can't wait to see how people respond to this. Maybe, you know, that attitude need a little working on. But the method, I have no problem with. So when I say my reputation is important to me, what am I referring to? If on a, on a macro scale, my reputation is not, you know, oh gosh, well, Steve's a great guy. Well, okay, great. I'm glad you think so. But if you don't, and, you know, whatever, okay, fine. But there are certain people, and I would say it's a dwindling number. There's a... A dwindling number, but there's still a there's still some people. It's a it's a smaller circle than it used to be. But there's a certain number of people that I genuinely do care about what they think of me. And want them to think the best of me. Want them to appreciate me, whatever. I won't name names. Because once you go about naming names and you leave somebody out, you know, oh, you don't care what I think? 
You don't care. You don't care how I feel about you. Okay. Well, that's why I'm not naming specific people. If you're on the list, you probably already know it, and I probably already told you in a private conversation, probably more than once, in some way or another. But my reputation with a certain select number of people is important to me. Number two is the ability to study, learn, and teach. I'm always trying to learn something. Matter of fact, that's why sometimes I don't get a lot of things done in practical ways and things I should do or need to do. Because I'm always learning something. I've always got a news program on and I'm learning about events in the world and how they relate to all of us and relate to me and relate to the kingdom of God. And just, you know, I'm always learning something about that. Or... I'm doing a Bible study like I'm doing right now, or, or I'm 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 studying uh, different subjects, uh, scripture-based stuff, or I'm googling something to find out some other information that I'm curious about. I'm always I like to study things <laughs> that I'm interested in. I I like. Having the ability to learn. I it's I really enjoy learning. I don't enjoy learning about everything. There are some things that bore me to death that I could care less about. Video games being one of them. Certain subjects in science being another. Um, at least when they're improperly taught. Um... You know, I'm not interested in learning how to do curling, the the, the sport curl, curling. And there's some things that I find boring and just not interested in, okay? But, and, and um, excuse me, there's no but there. So the study, learning, and uh, teaching... The ability to study, learn, and teach. Not only do I like to study and learn, but I like to then teach what I've learned and studied to others. It's not enough for me to amass a great deal of knowledge on a subject. If I had just done this this Bible study that I'm talking about and asked this question, I, did, I, I didn't share the whole study with you because that's not what this is. This is just my response to one of the discussion questions, okay? If I just read this and studied it for myself and stopped, and that's all I did, and I didn't share it with somebody, whether it was in a public thing like this, with the podcast, or there was on a blog post, or a Facebook post, or something, and I, I didn't share it, I just kept it to myself, that would feel incomplete, I would feel like I only went halfway, I don't feel like I've really 
done something with that until I've shared it with someone else. Whether it's a one-on-one conversation in Messenger with someone, whether it's on the phone with somebody, or whether it's on social media, or whether I'm just talking to someone publicly face-to-face or a private conversation of some kind, phone conversation, whatever. I I don't feel like I've done enough until I've shared in some way what I've learned with someone else eventually. It might not be right off the bat. Like, let's just say I learned something new from the scripture that I didn't see before. I'm not just going to immediately call someone and say, hey, guess what I learned? But at some point, if I don't find a way to share that in some fashion, then I feel like I'm, I've, That it's not enough. It's not enough just for me to know. Or for me to get a revelation about something. I've got to tell somebody else. I think that's one of the reasons I like social media so much. Because it provides me a platform to do that on a bigger scale. That individual emails or conversations don't. But, so there's that. It's So number one, three things that are most important to me are my reputation, the ability to study, learn, and teach, number two. Number three, the belief that I can make a difference. And that ties into number two, because what good is the ability to study, learn, and teach? What good, particularly the last one, what good is the ability to teach or share something with someone if you're not hopeful that it won't impact them and that they can then take that and then impact others that they know as well what good is it to teach something if you let's say you're just a, just take it out of the realm of the bible for a minute let's say you're a school teacher would you find if you if you're a school teacher would you find any value in teaching your students if you knew for a fact that they weren't going to remember one thing that you taught them. Whether it was for the test or whether it was long-term in their life, would you find any value or worth in that if you knew it was literally just going to go in one ear and out the other and they just weren't even going to retain it at all and not have any impact on them whatsoever? Would you find any value in teaching? No, you wouldn't. Because you teach with the hope that they will retain the information, whatever it is, that it will impact them, whether it's whether it's to impact their grades so that they can better themselves in life, or you're hopeful that they'll retain some of the knowledge that they can use in life and gain wisdom from. But you want that to happen. I've got 30 seconds left on this particular segment. And then I've got to post it. And then I will come back and I will conclude this hopefully rather quickly. Because I'm already an hour in. And I try to keep these in an hour so that I don't overwhelm the listener. So they don't listen to the whole thing. But I've got like 10 seconds left here. And I will be, we'll continue with the next segment. 
of this, but so I'll be back in a moment. This is the Wisdom on Wheels podcast. I am Steve Johnson. All right, um, I am back with the next segment of the Wisdom on Wheels podcast for April 1st, 2020. I am Steve Johnson. As I was ending the last segment, I was talking about the three things that are most important to me as I reflected on them earlier this evening. And I said that in no particular order, they were my reputation, and I'll add a caveat to that with a select few and dwindling number of people. Number two, the ability to study, learn, and teach, because I, I like learning, I like, I like having the ability to study and learn and to get a good grasp on things without a lot of effort, especially when it comes to ideas and intangible things. When it comes to physical things, like, I'm not a hands-on person as far as, like, I couldn't build a treehouse. I couldn't, if, if something breaks in the apartment, I would, you know, even without uh, the landlord and the maintenance people present, I would have to call somebody to come do it. I'm not, I'm not a hands-on person. I'm not a Mr. Fix-It. When it comes to hands-on projects, I'm not very good at it, but I have, and it's really hard for me to grasp learning how to do certain things. I didn't learn how to cook till I was in my mid-20s. And that's probably not due to not being able to learn as much as just nobody willing to teach and me not making it a priority so that I could demand that they teach me. I just just wasn't on either side from the family side or from the personal side. It just wasn't something that I was you know willing to spend a lot of time on. But the point is generally speaking and now I'm 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 getting better at cooking the more I practice it. But my point was is that I'm just not a very I'm not very good with hands-on projects or I don't know if I'm using the right term but I hope you know what I mean um but I'm always been very good when it comes to explaining ideas like I'm trying to do here or concepts or worldviews or or philosophical things and understanding those um policy things like with politics and uh, why pe- and understanding people, why they do things they do, um, trying to understand that better, trying to get to know people. Um, I, I've been very good at that. Uh, kind of intuitive things also. Just very good at intuition. I know that's typically a more female trait. Um, but I... Most of the influences in my life growing up and even now are females. Um, so I guess it might be a learned thing. I don't know. But um, the kind of intuitive thing and just being able to really get somebody and why they, you know, what makes them tick and all that stuff. I'm, I think I'm pretty good at that, at discerning things, whatever. Okay. I've always been good at that. Not so good at the hands-on project stuff. But I like learning and 
studying those things that I'm good at and that I'm interested in. And then teaching um, those things. So I, I, I mentioned that you know, you know if you, if you don't uh, if you don't want to pass that on, then what good is it? If you don't try to pass on what you know to someone, then when you die, it's all going to die with you. It doesn't do you any good. It's like a, a billionaire who makes billions of dollars but never spends a dime of it. If he doesn't spend it on something to either enjoy his life or to benefit somebody else or whatever, if he if he just if you made a if you made a billion dollars or got a billion dollars, however you got it, or if you're like if you work for the government and you just print it whenever you want a billion dollars, um, <laughs> like we're doing now, uh, except we're doing trillions instead of billions. But anyway, um. Let's say that you had whatever amount of money in the bank, but you never made a withdrawal, ever. Uh, you lived homeless, or somebody, you know, and based on the handouts of others, you had all this money in the bank, but you never used it. You could have. You had access to it the whole time, but you never used it. What good did it do you? I feel the same way about knowledge and things that I learn, especially the more important I think a subject is, such as biblical matters and apologetics and learning why we believe what we believe about the Bible. And, you know, whatever, just take your pick. If if I didn't pass that along, then what good is it? And I, I used the example in the last segment of a teacher. If you... If you learn all these things, if you have knowledge in a certain area, if and but you never pass it along to your students, then what good is that knowledge? That's what the whole idea of school and education is about. Passing on knowledge to the next generation so that they can build on it and get better. And they can use it to benefit themselves. That's, we wouldn't have an education system without it, but we as a society, we as a as a rate as a human race, I think, value that. It's part of what makes us people, and so that's why I'm so passionate about that. Um, and it's so important to me to do. And the belief I can, number three, was the belief that I can make a difference. And that ties into number two because ultimately the reason why I want to teach, I want to, uh, well, the reason why I want to study and learn so that I can teach it, whether it's about the Bible or about politics or whatever, is because I want to make a difference. And everybody wants their life to have meaning. That's why some people, you know, that's when when you accept Christ as your Savior, that gives you the ultimate meaning because it's not only even just for the here and now, but it's for eternity. Once you give your life to Christ and your deepest pleasure is in serving Him. And that's a place that, you know, I want to get deeper in because I think a lot of times I let things distract me and sidetrack me. I let temporal things cloud my view and purpose of eternity a lot of times. 
So I want to get much better at that than I am. You might think, you know, if you know me, you think I've got a pretty good grasp on this. Believe me, I got <laughs> not nearly as much as you think. But at least I'm aware of it. And thank you, God, for that. But all of us want to make a difference. If you, if you, that's what, um, for some people, like the climate change thing. I've heard Rush Limbaugh make this point a lot. Particularly if you don't believe in God. And I'm not saying everybody that believes in man-made climate change doesn't believe in God. I'm sure there are people out there who think that man is harming the, the climate by things that we're doing. And they still believe in God. I'm not saying that you have to be a, a somebody who doesn't believe in man-made climate change to believe in God. I'm not saying that. But generally speaking, I would say that m most atheists, agnostics... And people who are secularized, I would say, probably tend, I think if, if I had statistics, I think I could bear this out. I didn't look it up. It's not that important to the overall point. If you really want to argue with me about it, let me know, and I'm sure I can find some stats to bear this out, or some polls or whatever. But generally speaking, I think it's a safe bet to say that most people who are who believe in man-made climate change, man-made global warming, whatever you want to call it, are or tend to be more secularized or who don't, aren't as what's the right word? Aren't as devout. Generally speaking, there are exceptions. If you are an exception to this, I'm not trying to offend you. I'm not trying to step on your toes, and I'm not saying that you're a fake. Generally speaking, though, if we were to look at this, overall, I would say that most people who believe in that are people who don't have that higher purpose, whether it's just that they put it on the back burner or whether they just don't believe at all in like any kind of thing higher than themselves. If you don't believe in something higher than yourself, whether it's the God of the Bible or any or God of Islam or some other religion, take your pick. If you don't believe in something higher than yourself, then you're going to look for a cause to fill that void, whether it's your family, whether it's your career, or whether it's a cause or an issue like global warming, climate change, uh, political philosophy or belief, uh, a country serving your country, whatever it is, it doesn't just have to be that. But if you don't have something, if you don't ha be believe in something higher than yourself to serve, then you're going to look for something to give your life that meaning and if you don't have it then I'm be willing to bet that your life probably isn't very fulfilling I hope we all can agree on that and I hope I explain I hope I wasn't trying to step on any toes there so if that did uh, it wasn't my intention I was trying to make a point 
the and the point is going back to number three on this list we all want to make a difference we all want to feel like we've made a difference the biggest difference that i feel like um, that i want to make is knowing that i shared something with someone that either led them to Christ, if they weren't already a Christian, that led them to repentance and faith in Christ, or that I deepened or strengthened somebody's relationship with Christ by something I said, something that God used me to say, something that God opened a door for for me to be able to say, that made a, a strong or positive impact on someone's life. Those are the three things. My reputation with certain people, the ability to study, learn, and teach, and the belief that I can make a difference. Those three things are probably, I would say, other than my relationship with God, which I want to get deeper in and stronger in. I think we all want that if we have a relationship with God. But those three things are the most important to me probably that I could think of as I was writing this. I haven't thought of a, a thing while talking about this that eclipsed that. Maybe I will later, but as of right now, as I'm thinking, those are the three things that I thought of. And so then the next part of this question was, ask yourself, what would happen if you lost them? Could you give them up and still say things are okay because you know the true God and that's enough? So if I lost these three things, and let's go to them. If I lost my reputation with certain people, certain friends, or to a lesser extent, well, I'm just, I don't want to say that. Let me say it this way. If I lost my reputation with the people that I consider to be in my closest inner circle, would I still be okay knowing that... Or would I still be okay based on my intimate relationship with God? I think the answer to that is... Yes, it would be a hard pill to swallow, just as all these would be. But if everybody abandoned me, either for a good reason or a bad one, for a true reason or a false one, it might be some rough, choppy waters for a while. But I think eventually it would drive me deeper into seeking God. And that would become even more so. I think he could easily fill over time any void that that would leave. Number two, the ability to study, learn, and teach. I primarily, not exclusively, but I primarily do that online. So let's say I lost all internet capability. And I couldn't do this podcast anymore. And I couldn't get on Facebook and post anymore. 
or I couldn't get on Twitter and post anymore, or I couldn't do my blog anymore, would I be okay? Again, that would be an extremely hard pill to swallow. I feel like that is a large part of what... I feel like in some ways this is my ministry. Doing this podcast. Serving a life church online where I do. Um, Praying with people there. Monitoring the chat and talking to people there. Um... All those things. And the ability to study the Bible. And and study news events. And learn and, and then teach those to others. I feel like that gives me a lot of my daily purpose in life. Ultimately, my purpose is to store up treasure in heaven. And to grow my intimate relationship with God. That's what my... And a lot of times I admit I lose sight of that. Because I get distracted. I get, I allow myself to get entangled in things of this world sometimes. But that's my ultimate goal. That I always... You know, when I, when I miss that mark, that's always the thing that I'm searching for to try to get back to. And um, so the ability to study, learn, and and teach, um, particularly the teaching part. If I lost the ability to do that, I feel like a lot of my daily, the day-to-day purpose of life, why I want to get up in the morning or the afternoon if I slept late. A lot of my purpose has to do with that. My day-to-day purpose. And that, that's all part... That day-to-day purpose is all part of the ultimate purpose of serving God. Because I try to base everything that I say or try to teach or explain or change people's minds about whatever. It's all for the purpose of Furthering God's kingdom in the end. In some form or fashion, everything that I do, unless I'm just goofy posting about some TV show that I'm watching or some meal that I'm eating. But now you know what I'm talking about. Like the the main stuff that I talk about is all for the purpose of furthering the kingdom in some way, either by bringing somebody new into it, hopefully, or by strengthening, strengthening and equipping the people who are already in God's kingdom so that they can impact our world and so I can impact our world. So the belief that I can make a difference in that way would I be okay if I lost the ability to make a difference? And I guess in some ways that's a bit of a false premise because I don't think anybody loses their ability to make a difference. I think we're making a difference every day of our lives, whether we're trying to or not. And it's not always a good difference. There are a lot of people who make a bad difference.
And there's a lot of people who make a good difference. We all make a difference in some way. We all impact somebody in some way. When I clean my cat's litter box, I'm making a difference in their lives. When I fill up their food and water bowls, I'm making a difference in their lives. When I talk to a friend on the phone and we pray, or I talk to a friend on the phone and we're just hanging out chatting about random things. If I've done something positive for them, I've made a difference. If I've wasted their time, I've made a difference in a negative way. But we all make a difference. So I guess in a way this third one might be a bit of a false premise because we all make a difference. So, But I guess to to clarify it, it would be the belief that I'm making a positive difference. In that, tying that into number two, that I'm, I'm making a positive difference in that I my studying and learning has taught someone something and spurred them to action in some way. That's what I want. I want to influence. I want to I want to be an influencer. Not just so people will look back at me and go, "Wow, Steve, you really influenced me. You did a great." Now, I I do like compliments and I enjoy that positive reinforcement. That's good. That that strengthens me and encourages me to keep going. So I'm not saying I don't appreciate that or I don't want that. But if that was the end game, that's a pretty shallow one. I want to impact things because I want to impact things. I want to be an influencer knowing that ultimately that has an, an eternal impact for the Lord, for his kingdom, and in the lives of those people. Those are the things, and that would be the hardest one. Could I could I give that up and be okay? Could I could I be okay if I never got to post anything else, or I could never talk to someone about what I did again, or, you know, or talk not about what I did, but about like if I could never talk to someone about the Lord, if I were if I lost all ability to communicate, and it's just me and God, and could I still be okay? I, that would probably be the hardest one to to know that I'm not influencing in some way positively. That may be the hardest one for me to let go of, I think. But could I? If I knew that one-on-one, just me and God, I still had an intimate relationship with Him, or I or I was growing in an intimate relationship with God, where I know Him better, and I'm letting him have more of me, my heart, my soul, my mind, my will, my emotions, my spirit, all that. I think eventually, I think that would be that would be a hard day-to-day, everyday struggle for me. But I still, you know, I, I think eventually over time. I could develop such an intimate closeness with God through Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit that I think I could be okay with that. I would still 
I think there would always be part of me that would feel like there's so much more I could do with what I know. And so there always might be be this little feeling of regret that I couldn't do more for whatever reason. But I think I could think that would be okay. So are these three things then idols? I would say no. I don't believe so. So now let me turn this around as I close this podcast. And we're already 24 minutes into the second segment. This might end up being the longest podcast I've done. And I apologize if that's a problem for some folks. I didn't intend for this to go this long. But this was important for me to get out because I feel like the Lord wanted me to. So let me turn this around as I close. What What about you? What are the three most important things in your life that give you identity and meaning or purpose? And if you, and this is, again, this is a good litmus test. If you lost any of those things, would you still be okay? If you lost your child to death or they didn't want anything to do with you anymore, would you still be okay? I'm not saying, I'm not asking you would it be, I'm not talking about, I guess I should define this also. When I say, would you be okay? I'm not saying that it's just ho-hum, no big deal. Just be flipping about it. And oh well, sucks to be, sucks to lose that. I'm not talking about being flipping about it. I'm saying, would if you lost one of these things, would you stay permanently at a point? Because even the Bible talks about a 30-day mourning period. But, Would you permanently be damaged to the point that you could no longer function and and have purpose in your life if you lost something? That's how I would best define would you be okay. That's When I say would you be okay, that's what I mean. Would you be permanently damaged beyond your ability to function normally? And fulfill your purpose in life. If you. Whatever your list of three things is. Would you still be okay without those three things? That's what I mean by would you be okay. Those three things that are most important to you. Would you be permanently damaged beyond your ability to function and fulfill your purpose. If you lost any of those three. And I don't want you to be, you don't have to share this. If you want to share it with me or with others, please do. I think that would be an awesome discussion to be had. If you want to keep it to yourself, that's fine. 
But don't just knee-jerk, oh, I know what those three things are, and just write them down. Really take some time to think about this. And really consider it. And then decide after you've come up with those three things. Really imagine losing them, whether it's a child, whether it's someone you're in love with that rejects you or dies or whatever. Whether it's uh, a business, um, if you got a business that's changed your life, if you lost that business, would you be okay? If you lost what, whatever it is, your pets, would you be okay? Would you? Still be able at some point, and I'm not saying immediately. Again, we have that morning time. You know, there's a 30-day morning period in the Bible. Some people it takes longer. Some people it doesn't take as long. I don't want to get hung up in the small details here. But would you be okay in the way that I've defined being okay? If you lost those three things that are most important to you. That's the thought that I want to leave you with. Because anything that we put above God. Any of those three things. If, if you feel like there's any one of those or two or all three of them. That you think I would be permanently, irreparably damaged to the point of being incapable of fun ever functioning normally again or ever being able to fulfill to fulfill my purpose if any one of those or any combination of those three things you could say yes that would permanently harm me in that way then i would say that as an idol in your life and it's something that you need to bring before the throne of god and say, I'm taking this off the throne of my life. And I'm putting you back on back on it. And for that matter, for some people, and it doesn't have to be a bad thing. Um, uh, spouses aren't bad things, hopefully. Children aren't bad things, hopefully. Uh, businesses aren't bad things, hopefully. Um, you know, uh, the ability to provide isn't a bad thing. Um a lot of these things that I've mentioned are good things in and of themselves. But if they take the place, if they have the most, if they have the role of the most important thing in your life that you couldn't do without and still function and fulfill your purpose, then that's an idol. And, you know, Jesus said, who, um, if you love father or mother, son, daughter, husband, wife, anything more than him, then you're not worthy of him. You're not fit for the kingdom if you have anything that you cherish that much. And again, that doesn't mean that all those important things in our life that we have to be flippant about them or not care about them anymore if we truly love God. We're not just like, oh, well, if you die, oh, well, I've got Jesus. I'm not saying that. I'm not, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that we 
become careless about the blessings we have. We should cherish them, love them, appreciate them, enjoy them to the fullest extent possible. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying we shouldn't. I'm saying that if you lost any of those, would you still be okay? Would eventually you be okay, meaning that you could function normally and fulfill your purpose, even if there was always some sadness in your heart? I'm not saying you move on to the point to where you're never sad again that you've lost that thing either. I'm saying, could you have maybe some of that still left? But still, life moves forward. Your purpose continues. If not, then whatever that thing is or those things are, is your God or are your God's. And I encourage you to repent. And I know this is a hard message. But this is something that I I really thought about too. And I feel like the Lord wants me to share it. Repent of your idolatry. And put God back on the throne of your life. Or maybe if you're an unbeliever or you're not sure if you are. Maybe put God on the throne of your life for the first time. And this is especially important right now because this whole world's shaken up and it's about to shake a lot more. And a lot of the things that we trusted in or relied on for our entertainment or for our well-being or for our ability to provide or for our whatever, a lot of that's going to go away. Whether temporarily or long-term, a lot of us are living without it right now, and a lot more of us are going to be living with a lot less sooner rather than later, I think. So this is an important message, and that's what that's why I think in this time God wanted me to share this with you. Because we need to think about these things. So many of us were caught off guard by what's happened in the last couple of weeks. And we really need to regain our eternal perspective as a nation and as individuals. Because this life is short, even if you live a long time by our standards. This life is like a dot. Compared to the line of eternity that never ends. So keep an eternal perspective. Really think about these three things. That are important to you. Don't devalue them in your heart or in your mind. By this message. Don't devalue them at all. In fact I guarantee you. I'll say this as I close for good. For this podcast episode. If you truly put God on the throne of your life. And you truly love him. And place him first. 
He will change the inside of you to the point to where you those things, other things in your life won't be diminished. If anything, they'll be more enriched and you'll love those things even better than you do now. Those relationships with your family, with your friends, with that, that business or that you provide with, for your family or that activity that you enjoy so much, that passion in your life that you have for whatever, that will be enhanced and become even greater when you put Jesus as the central focus in your life because it will put everything in its proper place and he can then change your heart and change your, your inner being to where you get even more out of those other things. They're not diminished. They're enhanced. It might sound counterintuitive, but that's that's the truth. That's how things work with God. So that's, that's really, I've, I hope that I've, in fact, let me close this in prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray that this message has blessed people. I pray that I have not been misunderstood. And I pray if I didn't say something clearly enough that you will, your Holy Spirit will work with people to get across what I was intending to convey. And I hope and I pray that everything that I intended to convey was your will. What you wanted me to say. And if there was anything I said that wasn't, I pray that people will forget it. As my friend Wade likes to say. And I pray that if there's anything that was from you, that they won't be able to forget it. As he also likes to say. And I pray all this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. If you made it to the end of this, this one hour and 38 minute podcast or however long it's going to end up. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this. I hope it's been a blessing to you. If you have any questions, thoughts, or comments, please share them with me in some way. Email me or get on my Facebook and Twitter. Tell me. Call me and tell me. If, if you've been impacted by this in any way, if you have questions or anything, or ideas or suggestions or whatever, please let me know. Thank you very much, and God bless you. And I look forward to hearing from all of you. Bye-bye.